Hi, my name is Christina, and I'm the host of the WTF Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the movers and the shakers of the world who live lives that make others stop and ask, what the fuck? But here, WTF means walking towards fear, straight into the heart of discomfort in order to live an exceptional life. All right, well, welcome to another episode of the Walking Towards Fear podcast. And today our guest is Jive Turkey, who I met outside of Agua Dulce, around 400-ish miles in, I think. Um, so welcome. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me on, Knuckles. I think um, that's a good guess on the number. But yeah, that's where I remember meeting you as well. Yeah, I remember that being one of the first really blisteringly hot days that we had out on the PCT. Yeah, it was really hot. And I was rude to you guys that day because you asked me to tell you how I got my trail name and I was so hot. And uh, I like just wanted to sit there and just like drink my soda. So I apologize <laughs> for that. <laughs> oh, no worries. It's one of those things where I think it came about someone asked me how I got my trail name. It might have been Machine. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll have on the podcast later. Awesome. And he was like, but but don't just tell me, like, come up with two lies and one truth. So and then I think we had asked you about yours and you, you were just having a, a tough day. So I've made <laughs> up all sorts of stories in my head about how you got your trail name because that's okay. how I entertain myself. But I'm actually curious if you're willing to share how you did get your trail name. Sure. Uh, sure. I was curious. <laughs> I was curious if I ever actually told you. <laughs> and I'm like, I was, I've been, I've thought about that randomly a lot over the past five months, but definitely since you asked me to be on your podcast. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, so um, my first through hike was a short one in 2010 called the uh, Bartram Trail. It's in Georgia and North Carolina. And uh, I was doing that hike with uh, uh, my my college roommate, my grad school roommate. And so I'll just start from I'll I'll just start from the beginning. Um, So in, uh, in my first long through hike was the Bartram Trail in 2010. And my grad school roommate was um he, he did the trail with me and uh, we were coming over Wyabald, which is also on the Appalachian trail. And um, we were coming down a switchback, a series of switchbacks. And I could see down to the next switchback and there was a Turkey coming up the trail towards us. And I thought, well, you know, like turkeys aren't that smart, but it has to at least like hear us. Cause we weren't like being quiet. Um, I was like, but I'm not going to point out that there's a Turkey coming just in case my buddy hasn't seen it. Cause I want him to be surprised. And as we came around the switchback, we, we came head to head with this turkey and the turkey just kind of like shook its head and was like shocked and like ran off like in this very <laughs> funny way. And, and my buddy Joey was like, oh, he's like, I'm one jive turkey, but I'm getting the hell out of here. And I was like, oh, I'm taking that trail name, jive turkey. And <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. So I kept it for the AT and then uh, also on the PCT. So yeah, that's how I got Jive Turkey. Um, this might make you chuckle because again, I seriously was like, hmm, I wonder how we got it and then spent some time actively thinking about it. Uh-huh. I was picturing you like in a town, like at a grocery store with like a turkey that you bought in the store, like on your hands doing like the hand jive. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's a better story. I, I'm going to use that for my two, two lies and a truth. Um, oh, perfect yeah. well the one of the funny things well i don't know i think it's funny when i finished the appalachian trail last year um 
I, I, I actually flip-flopped. So I finished in Delaware Water Gap and a friend took me to Pennsylvania to the, the big, to, to Philadelphia, to the Grand Central Station there or whatever, Reading Market and where all the food is in, in Philadelphia. And then I, I, I caught, caught a train home, but uh, we ate at this place and it was called the original Turkey since 1983. And I was born in 1983. And I just thought that was kind of fitting with my name. That's awesome. I feel like those are the moments as a through hiker with, you know, this other alias, it is required by law for you to take a picture in front of that location. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I remember we went by the, um, I think it was the Mojave power plant while we were hiking. And okay. obviously I hiked with power plant and he was like, come on, come on, oh, come on, please take yeah. my picture. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you got to do that. You got to do something almost illegal in moments like that. I don't know if you needed to break into the facility or something <laughs> yeah, like <all> that. Right. <laughs> Just keep things a little spicy. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. But so obviously you have now done the Appalachian Trail and the Pacific Crest Trail. Yep. And I know everybody does different levels of planning for every hike they go on. How would you say it differed for you, like prepping for the AT, which was your first, I'm assuming, long distance hike versus the PCT? Yeah. Um in my head, I thought I was doing a better job planning for the PCT, but in, in actuality, I think I did worse than on the PCT than the AT. I had a lot of uh, resupply boxes. For some reason, I thought the PCT was a lot harder to get resupplies. Um, and I, I lost a lot of weight on the AT and uh, didn't want to, I wanted to lose weight on the PCT, just not as fast. So I had like, I, I, I did not, uh, I did not do a very good job with that on the, on the PCT. Um, but I think that, um, I had more, uh, um, I don't know. I had more knowledge of, of like how to get in and out of town better, I guess, but I just didn't think there would be as much food readily available. Um, so I'm not sure if I did a good job. I don't, I don't know if I gained anything from my AT experience to answer your question. Okay, that's interesting because I think I mentioned on this podcast the only time Drive Turkey that I nailed my food resupply was in the last like five days on trail. I made it to Timberline Lodge and I had like a Snickers bar left and I was like, I've finally done it. Thanks <laughs> to the hiking gods and now I'm done. Nice. Yeah, I was, I was, um, I, uh, I sent myself way too much food. So I ended up giving it out and, and leaving it in hiker boxes. Which is okay too. I think uh, it probably helps some people. Um, um, I was able to calculate from town to town about how much um, food I need. So maybe that's where I gained some experience, you know, from my first through hike to my second. Um, but as far as what I sent out and, and feeling like I needed to send anything out, um, it took me a while. But yeah, you're right. It takes a while to figure out how to, how to nail those resupplies so you're not carrying too much food. Um, uh, or not enough food, which would be worse, but sometimes it feels like too much is, a, is pretty bad too. Um, but it's a good feeling when you nail it. It's like, yes, I'm going up this hill with nothing in my pack and I'm going to go to town with no food, but I'm full and I'm not hungry. Oh, totally. I would always joke that I would always think I was good at hiking when I was getting into towns because my pack was all light. And then I leave town with a full resupply. I'm like, oh, and this is hard again. <laughs> And I don't think I've ever left a town going downhill unless like I slack pack ahead and walk back to that town or something like that. It's always uphill out of town. Always. It's every miserable. single time. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so 
with that, right, again, I don't want to just talk about the differences between the AT and the PCT, but it's also interesting and fun. So I'm curious, when you're looking at kind of the, the difference there, how did your body hold up in terms of like your physical health between the two trails? Yeah, so um, I think my body did a lot better on the PCT than the AT um, for several reasons. It's just not as as um, uh, uh, as rugged of a trail for the most part. Once you get into Washington, it it it, it my body was feeling it a little more because it's a little steeper and a little more rugged. Um, but um, I'm actually in the fitness industry. Um, I'm a I'm a strength coach, personal trainer, and so. I kind of was able to kind of see the, see a few things, um, in my training that I didn't do before the AT that I did do. And before, uh, I hit the PCT and I feel like that helped me out a lot. Oh, actually, can you say more on that? Like, what are the things that you would kind of recommend from that, you know, expertise of being a strength coach? Yeah. Um, like for me personally, I have, I have, even though I'm only 39, I've got an arthritic ankle and an arthritic hip. Um, so I have a couple issues that I just have to work around a little bit, but I think it, what I did to help would be beneficial to other hikers as well. Um, and that, and the main thing is preventing overuse injuries. I really, I I don't know the statistics, but my guess is that's what most people, other than being tired or just quitting the trail for mental reasons, physical reasons, the overuse injuries, I think is what puts more people off trail. And, um, so preventing those is good. And I think the best way to prevent those is, um, uh, is, is mobility, make sure your joints are mobile. Number one. Um, and then I would, I would focus on single leg balance more than anything else. Um, and then core strength, um, your endurance is going to come. Like if you're trying to set a record, then sure. You need to be doing a lot of miles before you get on trail and you have to have a certain level of, of cardiovascular fitness before you get on trail. But if not, you can get, you're going to gain that, that endurance pretty quick over, you know, three or four weeks. So you don't have to kill yourself with miles beforehand, but, but making sure you're mobile, single leg balance and core strength. Um, You know, so many people, their feet flatten out and their, their knees dive in or they, you know, they're you know, you've walked behind hikers who you're just like, Oh my God, <laughs> like, you don't have to be an expert. And you're like, how are they still walking? Totally. Um, and the thing is, if you're doing single leg exercises, you can't have those compensations like a flat foot and a knee diving in and, and losing your, your, your posture through your shoulders. You're going to lose your balance. If you do that with like, let's say you like step up onto a step with a 20 pound weight in one hand or holding a 20 pound weight over your head like you, you have to have good posture. Like if you've ever been on a paddleboard, if you lose your posture on a paddleboard, you fall in the water. And so if you can get really strong on one leg, it, it will help because you're functioning one leg at a time as you're hiking up the mountains. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. And, you know, it's one of those things that before the PCT, I kind of had this idea in my head that the only way to train for hiking is to hike more but you're right. talking about preventing overuse injuries. So yeah, of course, hiking and doing miles and being on your feet, carrying weight, all that's important. But to kind of start building those stabilizing muscles, like you were saying with the single leg balance and all that stuff, would yeah. probably be a huge pro tip to anybody who's looking to get out on trail. Yeah. And I mean, um, I'm not saying you don't go do some practice hikes. And, and I still did. I was hiking three days a week between eight and 12 miles. Um, but like, you, you know, you don't like it. I would spend more time in the gym 
um, to get ready for your time on trail um, from a fitness perspective. Um, you know, like, yeah, like, like, a, yeah, the miles will come eventually. Yeah, I think that's true. Because even for me, right, I, I do a lot of my hiking on the East Coast where the terrain is really different. So yeah. I think the biggest mileage day that I had pre-trail on like training hikes for a day hike was like 12 miles. But 12 miles out here is so different than 12 miles out west that you do just kind of fall into this rhythm and you start slowly increasing your mileage and it all kind of just works out because it has to, I guess, when you're out there. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, if you think of uh, somebody who does a marathon, they, they don't train up to their maritime, mar- marathon distance. They're, I mean, you go below it. Like, I don't know what the number is, but 18, tw- it would be more than 18, but like 20, 23 miles is probably as high as they go, you know, um, they just work on different things within that, that 20 to 23 miles. Um, and then come uh, race day, that's when they push it to their 26.1 miles or 26.2 miles. Um, uh, <clears throat> so I, I would look at your through hike that same way. And, um, you know, the other thing is, is, you know, if you want to do a 25 mile day and the sun's out for 14 hours, you just hike two miles an hour for those 14 hours and you're going to definitely get your goal. Oh yeah, Totally. And I talked about that a little bit on a previous podcast, like you kind of hit a point though, where you can't hike any faster. So you do just have to put in more hours, but being able to like, I guess, manage your daylight is a challenge. And actually you're out on a trail right now, correct? Correct. Where are you? I'm on the Penhody trail. Um, I just left the state of Alabama and entered the state of Georgia. So it goes through those two states. So obviously you hopped off the PCT and like, pretty much straight into something else pretty much well it was like six or eight weeks in between but yeah pretty much hopped into something else (laughs) yeah so what did you do when you first got home were you more of a like I want to stay moving or like (laughs) I'm gonna sit on the couch and do nothing and you can't force me to move yeah so um I actually didn't have a place to live when I came back to Florida and rent's really um expensive and hard to get and I did not have a, a place to live for the first month so I had two different um, hiking festivals I was going to, Penhody Fest and then uh, The Gathering up in Massachusetts for the Appalachian Trail. And so I just basically lived out of my truck and stayed at hotels and stayed with friends for a month. And um, so I, yes, the answer is I just sat on the couch, basically. I didn't do any hiking or any exercise really in that month time. Um, uh, but I, I, uh, I was kind of on the go at the same time. I don't know, it was a weird weird month. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think for everybody coming off the trail is kind of weird in general, like great word for it. Um, how is your experience different coming off the PCT versus the AT? Yeah. So I think coming off the AT, I definitely just went and sat on the couch and didn't do anything. Um, uh, I didn't go back to work. Um, I had had some money saved up, so I just chilled and got ready for the PCT. Um, but um, the difference between the two would be mentally, I knew what to expect. Um, I didn't realize how down I would get. I mean, I, I talked to a lot of people before getting off the AT about uh, post trail depression and, um, you know, the, the advice they gave me, I didn't take. And, and one of those things is stay busy and, um, you know, talk to other people, talk to other hikers, things like that. And, and so coming off the PCT, luckily I had a month to travel and spend with spend time with friends and I was kind of 
busy either driving or meeting friends or going to these hiking festivals. Um, um, and then when I got back to Florida, I, I quickly jumped back into the gym instead of, you know, falling into the habit of, you know, just playing on my phone and watching everybody's adventures on, on Instagram. Um, so I think that's helped. Totally. I mean, even for me, people had said the same thing, right? This was my first long distance hike. I did the long trail a couple years ago, yep. but you know, that's a month versus five or six. So fairly different. And you hear like, stay busy, have a plan for when you get back. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah that's great. Um, but I think especially this year on the PCT with all the fire logistics, as we kept going, it personally, I didn't even process like, oh, this is ending soon. So there was that like total disconnect of all of a sudden you're done. You don't even realize that you're done and you have to like navigate it all. Mm-hmm. So it was definitely a, a weird, interesting, confusing, but also kind of exciting place to be in. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. And I, I, you know, like, I don't know if anybody has or is studying post-trail depression and, or, or the process of ending a trail. Um, but I think the way the PCT ended for most people this year, it would, it would not be, a um, comparable to other people's experience on other, on other trails or the PCT, because it was just kind of like, Oh wait, we're, we're going to go hike today. Cause okay. The wind's not blowing this direction. Okay. So we can go do it. And then you get out there and you'd be like, Oh no, wait, we got to get in a car and drive somewhere else. And maybe we can hike there. Mm-hmm. It was just like, you know, it's kind of like you didn't know when it was going to end exactly. And then one day it just does. <laughs> I know. I kind of joke that like you come out of the trail with like a master's in logistics. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I did not have um, very good skills. Um, being from rural Southern places for the most part, I, I don't have much skills in public transportation and, and I definitely got better with public transportation on the PCT this year. You totally have to. I mean, we were lucky enough that Topo, who was part of our trailing for a long time, after we, we went through most of NorCal, we got bumped off in um, Etna because of the first McKinney fire. Yep, same. And then we all went up to Washington after deciding to leave Oregon blank. After we went through Washington, Topo decided to kind of bow out. He had gotten what he needed to get from this hike. So he was able to be like our personal trail angel because he didn't want to go back to, to work in real life yet. Oh, that's awesome. Which was awesome. And even with that assistance and that aid, it still felt like a total headache. So yeah, navigating public transit, only having your feet, trying to figure out where to go and getting all the information to make those decisions was like such a wild experience. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, um, I did pretty much the same thing you guys did. I was just south of Aetna between Shasta and Aetna when when, um, the McKinney fire broke out. And then the f- more Oregon fires broke out. So we jumped up to Washington or we, we jumped up to Mount Hood and went north from there. And then the, the fire in Washington broke out at the border. So we had to miss that. And so I came back down and did Sisters to Mount Hood. And then I was going to flip back down to California and do the uh, Aetna to, to the Three Sisters area. And but while I were, we were out in the Three Sisters area, um, the wind shifted and the Cedar Creek fire blew the smoke so thick where we were that we got off trail and went back to Bend after two days. And um, I thought my through hike was over at that point because it was just like, you know, I, I kind of wanted to just finish it at at um, at Mount Hood, and I still had to fill in um, 
Etna to, to Three Sisters Wilderness. But that was the, the new plan was just to finish at Hood and call it quits. And then the smoke got it, came in so thick. I just was like, okay, randomly, this is over. It's not worth it anymore. And then the next day, the wind shifted again, and we were able to finish from where we got off at, um, after the smoke, and, and we went up to, to Mount Hood, um, and, I, and I finished there. So, it, But it was a headache. It was just – and it was an emotional roller coaster. Well, I think that's such a good way to put it. I mean, it really was. It was up and down, and nobody knew – what the next day would bring, never mind the next week or the next month. Um, and obviously, you don't have to deal with wildfires like that on the East Coast. So yeah. I know we had talked for a hot minute before even hopping on to record that for you, the PCT was more mentally draining, kind of like emotionally taxing. Do you want to talk about that and how it was different for you, even though it was your second through hike? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, sometimes some, some of it I don't even know why it was more of a mental challenge. The, the AT was definitely mentally challenging, but, but a lot of the mental challenge comes from the physical challenge and the ruggedness. Cause every day you wake up and you're just hurting so bad and you just keep going. And so yeah. mentally the physical affects the mental and on the PCT, the mental challenge, uh, the fires played a big part in that. The heat played a big part in that. Um, uh, but um I think some of it was, was just um, like California is a long state and I, and at people on the AT people talk about the Virginia blues because 25, mm-hmm. 25% of the AT is in the state of Virginia, like 550 miles, I think. And, and it shouldn't make a difference because you're just going town to town. Uh, but I think that, that, that does play a factor um, on the PCT in California. Um, and you know, uh, just skipping around. Like, I mean, we didn't like, you didn't get that sense of, I didn't get the sense of accomplishment because I didn't get to cross over from that, that California to Oregon border. Like, again, it shouldn't make a difference, but, but we are extrinsically motivated. And so, you know, not crossing that border. And then, yeah, I crossed from, from Oregon into Washington, but I hadn't done much of, I'd only done 50 miles of Oregon to get to Washington. And then I couldn't get to the Canadian border and I think all that stuff added up. Um, uh, so um, I think that affected, you know, uh, my mental position a little bit. I mean, not, I don't think I was like batshit crazy or anything, but but it was more of a mental challenge to do the PCT than a physical challenge. Yeah, I would agree. And honestly, I had prepped myself for that before even going out. People were like, oh, that's going to be so hard. And I was like, yeah, I mean, it'll, it'll be hard physically, but I think the mental side of it is going to be kind of a bigger challenge. Uh, do you have any moments that stand out to you kind of on the PCT where you were just like really frustrated, like kind of over all of it? Um, yeah, North Cal um, to some extent because it was hot and dry. Um, I, th- I, th- I think um, – trying to I was in the back of my head I wanted to finish North Cal because I I knew it was getting to be fire season and so I was pushing long miles and I I guess that is physical but but I think that I was pushing myself too far and getting not getting enough sleep not getting enough rest and um yeah North Cal is pretty uh pretty challenging mentally mentally and um uh I don't know if there was a single moment there um, I think the big single moment was uh, getting back on at Three Sisters and and trying to hike the hood and then 
Um, and then the, the smoke just being so thick when we, we got off trail, went, we went back to um, uh, Bend and I went into Walmart at Bend and that you could see smoke down the aisles at the Walmart and Bend. And I think it was kind of like, Jeez. oh yeah, this, this hike's probably over, you know? Yeah. I mean, I just feel bad, honestly, for the people that live in those areas that deal with this like year in and year out. Yeah. I've always heard about the fires, but I've never been like directly confronted with them. It's like you're saying in an actual store, having like the smoke impact is just crazy. Yeah. And so I think in Bend, I kind of had uh, a couple beers and kind of toasted, you know, this is going to be it. And kind of not a like that was kind of just being mentally done with it, you know, not like not like a breakdown, but just like it's done, it's over, you know. Um, and then the next morning, the <laughs> the weather changed, and we, like I said, we fin- we finished up to hood. But yeah, that would be the the two points that stand out. Yeah, and you know, you're saying one of the things in NorCal that was a challenge was like not getting enough rest. And honestly, for me. I was very surprised how little kind of free time you have out on the trail. I talked about this a lot. Like I brought my Kindle with me. That was cute. It was like the first (laughs) thing I sent home. Like I had no time to read. Was there anything that surprised you about the PCT that you like weren't expecting? Um, yeah, I think, uh, it was a more social trail than I was expecting. I think that's the Hmm. first thing that pops out. Um, people say that the AT is social and the PCT is not as social. And I think it was just as social. I probably drank more beer on the PCT than I did <laughs> on the AT. Um, I think, um, well, I mean, this might not go along with what we're talking about, but how pretty the desert was. I did. I was not ready for how awesome it was. I thought it was great. Yeah. Um, uh, I love the desert. I would go rehike the desert in a heartbeat. Um, I thought it was great. Um, uh, yeah, I think those are the two big things that surprised me. Yeah, that's awesome. I think the desert is really unique. It's You can't explain it. You just kind of have to experience it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, another thing that I would say surprised me is the range of temperatures and weather you can get. And, I, I mean, I know people talk about that, but I – again, you have to experience it kind of like you said, you've got to experience the desert. You just have to experience the fact that you can be on top of of San Jacinto where there's snow and it's cold and and walk down to the desert floor at Cabazon. um, And it's 90 degrees and blowing sand in your face, you know, as you're walking, you know, to that, that overpass. Um, uh, That was a big, a big change. Or like uh, the day I did Muir Pass, we had a snowstorm. And then that, the day before, people were swimming up there in the lakes, and it was 85 degrees, you know? Yeah, Mother Nature is pretty wild. Like, the swings that you can have, it's so unpredictable. Yeah. Um, and obviously, we have that kind of everywhere, but when you are living outside, it is so confronting, because it's not like you can just go inside if it's too hot, or go get warm and take a warm shower if you're too cold. You're just right. in it. Yep, you got to deal with it. <laughs> and you were even talking about San Jacinto and... I remember descending down from San Jacinto, walking towards the I-10. And at the time I was hiking, uh, I did like a small stretch there with someone named Cucumber. I don't know if you had met him at all, but he actually decided to get off the trail at that point. He had really struggled with the desert heat, kind of experienced some heat exhaustion a few times and was just not doing well. Uh, 
and he did end up getting off the trail. So I actually saw him when he was doing a section in Washington, which was amazing. I saw him in Goat Rocks Wilderness. That's cool. Yeah, but because he was from Washington State. But kind of with that, you know, how often or at all did you consider quitting on either the AT or the PCT? Um, on the on the AT, never. And, and, you know, the AT was like a lifelong goal of mine. And um, I, it never even – I mean – yeah, sure. There's days where you're like, I kind of want to quit. Like, why am I yeah. out here? But like, uh, there was never, it was never a question in my mind of, of finishing. The only thing that would have ever gotten in my way on that trail was injury. And, um, you know how, like a lot of times after an athlete wins a championship, they'll say, Oh, I, I never had any doubt. And I always thought that they were either just bullshitting or they were just very arrogant. But yeah. after I did the AT, I had that, I had, I know exactly how they feel. Like I, in my mind, I couldn't picture anything but finishing it. Um, uh, and on the PCT, it was a little different and I don't know why. Um, and it's, I, I love the PCT. Um, and, and technically I still haven't finished it. I still have 475 miles to do, but for all intents and purposes, I finished it and I, I didn't quit it except for the fact that it was just too logistically challenging, um, to keep going. But, um, uh, there were several times where I wanted to quit, um, and uh, I did quit one day at Stevens Pass, and I walked 12 miles back to Stevens. Only because I hadn't slept, like literally had not slept, but like two or three hours and two or three days. And so I just went to Wenatchee and slept for two days and was fine. Um, uh, what caused but, the lack uh, of sleep there? Oh, I don't, I don't know. I got, I got, uh, I got. Um, had too much to drink in Levensworth and hitchhiked <laughs> out of town at like we hiked into Levensworth was we were going to stay the night I got really drunk and hitched out of town and um hiked on <laughs> and uh I set up my cowboy camp at like 1 a.m and then it was dewy all night and so I was just wet oh. and um and I would have set up a tent but like there was other people sleeping there already so I was trying to be as quiet as possible and then I got up the next morning and started hiking and I was like yeah this is not I don't want to be out here anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's good. I think everyone's had a couple of nights where you don't sleep well and it's amazing. I mean, you hear all the time that sleep is super, so important. Yeah. But when you are doing something physically demanding, like you said, you're like, I literally quit because I hadn't had enough sleep. You sleep a little bit and you're like, oh, okay, the world is back to, you know, where it needs to be. Yeah. Yeah. I was in a bad place and a lot <laughs> of it had to do with not sleeping. Um, yeah. And speaking of like, being in a bad place and just having some frustrations. What about the trail do you think needs to be like unglorified? Like what are the hardest parts about through hiking for you? I think people underestimate how long five, four, five, six months can be. Um, yeah. You know, when you're in the grind and, and the, uh, working, you know, every day and you're busy, like not that you're, like you said, like on trail, you are busy. You don't have much downtime, but in the real world, we have, many different things that keep us busy throughout the day. And, um, I think just the, the routine of life flies back by quicker than being on trail. Um, I mean, on the AT and PCT, both. If I'd been out there, I'd be like, Oh, two or three years, at least. Like, I feel like I've been removed from society that long. (laughs) And I think, um, I think, I don't think people understand that. Like, I, I, I'm not trying to compare what we do to people being deployed um, in the military, 
um, necessarily, but I think it's a similar process. Like I think, you know, people who go somewhere for two or three years um, and being away from the society that they're in, it, 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 it feels longer or like being on a through hike for five or six months. It feels longer uh, for whatever reason. It definitely does. I think part of it is just like the new stimulation, right? When you're in the same grind, like you were talking about, there's nothing really new. That's not like your brain is working in any new or different ways. But when you're out there, every month does feel like a few months. Like the desert already for me feels like forever ago. Um, yeah. And with, with all these people that like just get it. And I know a lot of people don't quite understand why it's fun to walk across an entire country. So if you had to put that into words, like wh- why do you enjoy through hiking so much? I mean, you again, finished the trail and headed right out to the Pinote. Yeah. Um, I, I like, for me, I think there's a huge attraction to only having what you need on your back. Um, it's overwhelming to live in society and be like, I have 25 t-shirts, you know, like, or yep. whatever. Like, I think that's great. I think um, I, I, I like being physically active. And so obviously if all you have to do in a day is get up and walk from point a to point b you're going to be active all day um i can eat whatever i want that's part of it um uh but i i as far as like the the long distance through hikes so far i really um enjoy meeting all the people as well uh the community uh that's that's huge as well um so and and i think maybe the bigger thing is, is every day you accomplish something. And and I don't think the real world, you feel that way very often. Um, uh, Maybe it's just me, but I don't feel like every day I I come home and I say, wow, I I accomplished something. Whereas on trail, even if you don't make your mileage goals, you still feel very accomplished um, every day. Yeah, I totally agree. And I've heard that sentiment from a couple of the people I've talked to now both in terms of community, like you were talking about, and just the sense of accomplishment. Because I don't think that's just you. I think that is a general issue, like not having that really tangible progress working towards this, you know, overarching goal. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad it's not just me. (laughs) No, most definitely not. Uh, And you had mentioned like being able to eat whatever you want and just staying active and doing things. Obviously, when you do a hike like this, you had mentioned this before too, like sending yourself resupply boxes because you thought it would be tougher to, to resupply on trail. What food did you get the most sick of? And at the same time, what was the meal that you looked forward to the most that you had on trail? Um, so I, I never got sick of it on the AT, but quickly on the PCT, I got sick of um, tuna packets. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so very sick of those. Um, and the meal I look forward to the most, um, honestly, I, I like my breakfast oatmeal and protein shake with coffee in it. I would, I would be ready to eat that every morning when I got up. Nice. I, I really got to the point where I started like shopping the other hikers carts in the grocery store. I'd be like, what are you thinking of that? I haven't thought of yet. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I, towards the end, I found a combo that was really good. Um, uh, it is the chili lime shrimp uh, uh, ramen noodles, and then mm. there's there's a um, there's a salmon, a mango salmon packet, and that was that was pretty pretty good stuff. That sounds really good. And another oh, here's another tip. I, somebody I can't remember who it was. 
if you're doing oatmeal, a lot of people get tired of oatmeal. I'm getting tired towards the end of Washington of that. And somebody told me it may, I can't remember who it was. Uh, they told me to put, bring dry cereal and every morning take your dry cereal and put it in your oatmeal to give it some texture. So I did cinnamon toast crunch in the, in my oatmeal in the morning. That actually sounds really good. I feel like I haven't had cinnamon toast crunch since I was like 12, but I could yeah. go for that and say oatmeal on trail. Yeah. I mean, you could put, put what Cheerios, but it was more for the texture of the oatmeal and it, it did, it was a game changer. Yeah. I did for breakfast a lot of times, um, chia pudding. So I just like take Ooh. chia seeds, put it in a cold soak jar and add some like dried fruit, like apricots, raisins, what have you. And that, was probably the last 500 miles of my trail and I really liked that that was nice yeah I need to step up my food game that sounds like a pretty good pretty good deal there yeah I think everybody I've talked to is like and one of the things I've considered is next big hike doing a little bit more to try to like spice up the food because it can get so monotonous yeah um, I mean one thing I did on the PCT that I didn't do on the AT was I, I would carry at least one fresh veggie and one fresh fruit out and, and it's heavier, which I don't like to do, but you just eat it your first night. And I think that goes a long way and in spicing things up a, but also being healthier for you B. So, yeah, that's probably a good idea. Beetle who I hiked with usually packed out like bell peppers. Yeah. I could always see them in the mesh of his pack. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a lot of water content in those foods, too, that people forget about. They can help you stay hydrated. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, hydration on the PCT is huge. It's still important on any hike, but just, like, the desert water carries were kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah. They were – thank God for the trail angels that are doing the water caches. Truly. I mean, the PCT wouldn't be through hikeable without them. No, I don't think so. Um I wouldn't want to do it anyway, even if it was able, if you, even if you were able to do it, I wouldn't, I would not want to do it. Yeah. I carried six liters of water a couple times in the desert. And I think there was a stretch where it was like 40 or 50 miles with like no natural water sources. Yeah. Yeah. That was the one that has the big, the big water cache in the middle of it, I think. Right. That, um, yeah. Bird spring. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was, that water looks so good. Like you could see it coming down the hill and like, you just start salivating to drink it. I remember that. It was, I don't know, water never looked so good until that day. I know. You appreciate all these little small things, I think, coming back when you've been out on trail. Uh, so, like, with that, like, what are you enjoying most about, I, I would say being off trail, but you're still on trail. But, like, what do you <laughs> miss the most while you're on it? Um, well, um, I just got back on the Penhody on Tuesday. So over the weekend, I was out with some friends. Uh, this was down in Florida before I got back on trail. Um, we, and I just went out for drinks and dinner at, at, a, at a restaurant. And I just was thinking, man, I, I miss this so much, you know, like um, just getting together. Not that you're not having the social experience on trail. And I've met so many friends that way, but like catching up with old friends or seeing old friends and going to f familiar places. Yeah, I think is I, the big thing. It's like, um, you know, I shared with you that we just got back from the AT, like a little section of it. And same thing, like being with the people and being on the trail. Like for me, it was just like a really cool combo to, to have that. So I think it's really easy to miss it when you're not on the trail. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, obviously you miss like the, um, 
just the uh, conveniences of life of running to a grocery store, or, you know, stuff like that. But I, honestly, it's not like it's a different kind. It's not like, honestly, I could live without driving and traffic and run into a convenience store. It's almost more fun, funner to go to a grocery store on trail. Cause you work to get there. I don't know. There's, there's a difference between those two things. Like, yeah, it is nice to run to the grocery store, but I don't feel like I earned the right to go to the grocery store. Yeah. <laughs> Where suddenly like everything becomes like having to, to earn it, to do it yourself, to make it happen instead right. of just relying on all these little small niceties, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I had a friend um, that got off the AT last year and she moved to Miami um, after she's a travel nurse. And so she would make herself walk to the grocery store every day. So she, she had to take her bag, uh, you know, like her little, you know, whatever, uh, reusable bag and, and walk to the grocery store every day. Like she would not drive. If, if she could walk it, she would not drive it. That's awesome. I wish that I lived in a more walkable space, maybe in the future, like that would be an option. But especially when you're used to walking all the time to go from not walking and just hopping in a car, very different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if I have that kind of discipline if my truck's sitting right there. I'm going to be like, eh, no, I'm going to drive. <laughs> Although what's really interesting is that when I got back from the PCT, after not being really in cars, other than, you know, very short hitches into town, I started noticing that I was getting car sick, which was really? very new for me. Yeah. Huh. I had that happen way back when I did the Bartram trail. Um, when we got back in the car and drove, um, drove back home, uh, it wasn't car sick, but I felt the, I don't know if it would be, I could feel the inertia or the, I don't know what physical aspect it was, but it was like a new, a new feeling that I had not felt, but it, it you know, like you're in a car since you were a baby. So you're feeling that almost every day of your life. And then you don't for five days or seven days or 10 days or six months, you know, um, it is a, a feeling you have to get used to. Yeah. It was just really weird. I was like, am I feeling motion sickness? Like that's never happened before. And it's gotten a lot better since I've been home a little bit longer. And I personally have been driving instead of being a passenger. Yeah. I was, was going like, to ask. Yeah. Is it, was it, was it because you're driving or riding? Yeah. It was mostly when I was riding. And it is getting better, but it was just one of those like little surprises when I came home. Like, well, didn't expect that one. Yeah. Wow. Um, uh, yeah. Maybe maybe that's telling us something. We don't need to take cars as much into the wilderness forever. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. Any any excuse we can get. No, nah, I can't go to work today. I can't drive. I need to go back hiking. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I know. I can't wait to get back out and, and do some more hiking, but I've really enjoyed kind of being home. And my favorite thing is like not setting an alarm in the morning. Oh, that's great. It's like just glory. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you find, I know this is you, your podcast, you're asking me questions, but do you find like every day that you don't sleep in with an alarm, like does your, does the time you wake up change? Like, is it later and later or earlier and earlier? Or is it about the same time every day? It's, pretty consistent so right now I'm waking up almost every day at like 7 15 on the dot um, and what's interesting is when I was out on that little section in the AT the time change was coming so it was getting real it was really dark it wouldn't get light until like eight in the morning yeah. whereas on the PCT I'm sure you did too like had a really early start to try to get up before the heat and all that stuff um, yeah. 
So I would say pretty consistently right now, my body's getting me up. I can't really still sleep in, but it's really nice to have like a little bit of ability to not wake up to an alarm, have to pack up all your stuff and like immediately start walking. Yeah. 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 You can kind of ease into your day. Um, and I would do that on trail a little bit, but like once you're awake, you might as well pack up your tent. Right. And then like get going. Um, Whereas, you know, like if you're in the work world, it's like alarm goes off, you're running around like crazy to get out the door so you're not late for work. And then now if you're taking some time off after trail, you've got some time to like ease into your day, which is is kind of nice. Yeah. What, what did your morning routine look like on trail? Like were you someone that was up, packed and out or did you kind of have a slower morning, eat a like sit down breakfast and then get moving? Yeah. So I was uh, I was always the last guy out of camp. Um and uh, I would say it would take me an hour end to end to get ready, maybe an hour and 15 minutes. I could do it faster, but I would, uh, I would cold, cold soak my oatmeal overnight. And then I would, I would eat that and drink um, my protein shake slash coffee. And I would enjoy that instead of just chugging it and going. I would kind of sit and, and let the, you know, just kind of naturally get moving um, kind of slowly, I guess. But um but yeah, the rest of my trail family, they were up and out in like 20 to 30 minutes. Um, yeah. so, um, I was, I would usually catch them for lunch a little bit and then catch them at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a slower guy in the morning. Yeah. I tended to be one of those people that was kind of up and out in like 20 to 30 minutes, kind of eat on the go. And then I sit down somewhere for a second breakfast. Yeah. Um, so it's always interesting to see how everyone structures their day. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 the only time I was quick up and out was on a town day. If, if, if we were going to town, oh, of course. For, if we were going to town for breakfast, it was like 25 minutes. I'm like, I'm ready. Let's roll. Yeah. <laughs> the, the pull of town days is so strong. It is. It really is. <laughs> That's awesome. And then you had just mentioned your trail family. How many people did you kind of hike with on average? Um, so um, I hiked with, uh, machine lost and found feather blue and slap shot for pretty much all of California. Um, pretty much on a daily basis. We basically camped together almost every day for however many months that was three months. Um, and then kind of split up when the fires happened and, uh, and, and everybody bumped up to Ashland and then Washington. Um, and then I had a couple other people around, um, most nights I was camping with two to three people, if not five or six. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where people hear about trails like this. If they've never done one, they assume that it's kind of lonely and you don't see a lot of people. It's like, actually, you know, it's pretty, pretty busy trail and you do kind of run into the same people and you do create these little groups. I would say most people I've talked to are kind of averaging their trail size between like three and five. Yeah, yeah that's, that's about where I was. So, um, and I think that's a good number. I mean, there was, there was some groups out there that you probably ran into that was like 18 to 20 people at times. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, it, that's, that's hard to sustain internally and externally, you know, like, I don't, I don't like, if you've got 18 people you're hiking with, how do you like, it's hard enough to not break up a trail family of five. Cause one person wants to stay in town an extra day or whatever. Um, so those bigger groups, I, I'm not sure how they do it. And it's also hard for other people to, to find a camping spot or what have you, um, when, when 15 to 20 people, you know, show up. 
Yeah, it's like managing a team at work. Like having collaboration and agreement amongst that many people is like nearly impossible. Right. Yeah, and I, and I'm not knocking it necessarily, but it's just um, I was always curious about that. For sure, I think the largest our group got at one point was about nine, and that was a lot of moving parts and there was a lot of freedom just to do what people wanted to do. And if we saw you great, and if you went on with your day, then so be it. Right. Yeah. And, and I guess that's kind of how it works naturally. Um, you know, I'm, sh- I'm sure those bigger groups at the beginning broke down towards the end. Oh, definitely. I don't think there's a way to, to prevent that because, you know, hiking your own hike is such a big part of these trails. It's easy not to do. But when you are just kind of in your own rhythm and you're making decisions for yourself, it, it just happens. Yeah. Hey, I need to take a bathroom break real quick. I was going to say, if you have time, I have one last question for you and then we can wrap this up. Okay. I think I can hold it that long. <laughs> cool. What do you want friends and family to know about supporting a hiker who's coming home from the trail? Oh, that's a good question. Um, ask questions. I don't think you have to ask a perfect question, ask open-ended questions because um, you're not going to understand what the person went through. So um, from talking to other people, um, they'll be like, you know, somebody will ask me X, Y, Z, and I want to talk about ABC, you know, like, um, so, you know, uh, what did, you know, what did you eat? Well, like, I don't want to talk necessarily talk about what I ate. I want to talk about the experience I had. Yeah. Um, that's just an example. Maybe I do want to talk about what I eat, but, um, uh, I think just ask open-ended questions. Um, and if, you know, be patient with the person coming off trail, cause they're probably going to want to talk a lot. You might ask them one question and then three hours later, they're still talking. <laughs> Yep, which is why we're rolling on an hour of this podcast and you're like, I got to go. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's so much to cover. And, you know, I just appreciate you taking some time out of your day to talk about it. And to that point, I hope some of these questions were, you know, fun. I was curious about the the differences between the AT and PCT, having only done the PCT myself. Um, So thank you, truly. Yeah, anytime. Um, uh, Thanks for having me on. It was it was fun. You are very welcome. Well, I will let you go. Sounds like you got some stuff to take care of. Enjoy the rest of your Pinhoti hike. (laughs) And I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, stay in touch. Will do. Bye, Dad Turkey. All right, bye-bye.